Hey guys, welcome back. So, season finale time. This came about because, well recently, I did a thing. I posted on my private social media and kind of came out to my private friends about my podcast. And this may sound weird, but it was so hard for me to do so. I mean, we are at the season finale of season one and it took that long. But the thing is, it's hard for me to talk about this with friends versus with strangers. And when I did, it brought back a lot of uncomfortable memories. Because there were those who tried to say things they thought were positive, or were actually kind of hurtful. And not to throw shade, we've all been there. We've tried to help, but we've fucked up in some way. And I get that. Especially when it comes to domestic violence. There's a lot of misinformation and we want to help, but we don't know always what to say. So today, in this finale, we're going to have a talk, a discussion. I'm here with my friends, with survivors and people who've known other survivors. And we're going to share our stories. Things that were said to us that maybe we hated, what we wish would have been said to us. And we're going to see what we have in common and what we don't. That's kind of the point, though. We're all different. We all have our similarities, our differences, our own stories, and things we can relate to and not. So here we go. Season finale. Buckle up. Hey, guys. Thanks for being here. How you doing? Hi, I'm good. I'm doing well. Doing great. All right, so let's get started. This is just kind of off the cuff, so to speak. Honestly, it's been kind of rough for me. I've, like, I know that people have been trying to be supportive, but honestly, sharing my personal story with my friends has been kind of rough. I mean, so I had one friend, and she was trying to be positive, but it, it came off to me as, like, hey, don't let this one person, your abuser, out of one billion impact the rest of your life. And she, wasn't, she didn't mean it that way, but it felt to me like, oh, it's just one person out of a billion. But it's not how abuse works. And I know he's one person, but because of our relationship and how close he was to me, it, it really changed my experience. And there are still days when I think about how my life would be different if... I hadn't had to deal with the trauma of what I went through. So, what are your thoughts on that, guys? I think the the intent was positive. Um, I think I'm really bad at this. <laughs> no, just that's the point. Caitlin, that's the point. This is we're a group of people just having a conversation. Just say what's on your mind. I think the intent is always there, but perhaps they don't understand, like, one out of a billion, but of the billion people, their impact is so profound on your daily life, and how much time and how many calories that consumes thinking about that that impact. Yeah, I think that's really hard, because when you share personal things with strangers, it's, um, it is a lot easier, because there's not that 
relationship that's already there. There's not expectation or there's not, um, yeah, there's, there's just not that. There isn't that barrier. That barrier, exactly. So, yeah, so I agree with Caitlin that the, the intention is good, and it's hard to know what to say. And maybe I'll turn that question back to you. What, what is something that is really, um, really validating for you as a survivor uh, from a, to hear from a friend? What would that thing be? I mean, honestly, just being able to say that sucks. And, and here's something that, that I found, even when we aren't talking about domestic violence, is that people really want to help. That can very easily turn into, I must solve your problem. Well, well, well no. I mean, sometimes you can't. I know that's hard to accept, but sometimes, like, I remember many times when all I wanted was someone to say, wow, that sucks, and validate that, yes, I was going through a difficult time. And even just getting that was so difficult. So many times people would say to me, oh, I'm sure he's not that bad, or I'm sure you're just overreacting. I mean, even, <laughs> never mind, <laughs> that's a noser for another time, but just being able to say, wow, that sucks. I'm so sorry you're going through that. Even if you say, I don't have a solution for you, saying you're going through a hard time and recognizing you're going through a hard time is so empowering. Recognize how much pain we're in. Don't try and say, oh, it's one in one billion or, oh, things will get better. Say, yeah, that really fucking sucks. Yeah, just to add to that, I for an abuse survivor, the, the validation seems, yeah, that seems right. That would seem to be such an important thing because abuse in itself is an invalidating experience. I mean, that's the, I would, you know, the point of abuse is to invalidate and control the other person. So simply receiving validation from a friend would be a great thing. Oh, definitely. I mean, a lot of abusers' tactics are to isolate the victim from friends and family and I know we like to think of abuse as oh there's one incident at a time of physical abuse but honestly it's a cycle where there's that explosion event where there may be physical abuse involved and then a cooling off period where there's like oh I'm so sorry and there's gifts and promises of blah 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 but during that time in between those events the cooling off period abusers can go to their friends and family and say hey look everything's fine and then from the outside People begin to think, oh, see, it isn't that bad because things are better now. Abuse can use it to their advantage. And that's what's so frustrating sometimes. My abuser did the same thing. Use that cooling off period to make it seem like I was the issue. Yeah. I think the acknowledgement is so important because so often um, a, a, survival, a survivor will question, was I actually abused? Is this actually happening to me? And if they don't get that validation and that acknowledgement, the chance that they'll re even return to that relationship is significantly higher. Hell yeah. Or that they'll forget. Yeah. Like, oh, okay, maybe it wasn't that bad. But if you give that slight acknowledgement, it can mean the world. So I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that was really important to me. And I didn't get it until I was in my mid 20s. I've said before that. I didn't realize I was being abused till I was like like 21, I think, something. No, I was older than that, but so many people refused to acknowledge that it was happening, and that was so hard for me. 
And I think many um, people who are abused question themselves. Did I cause this? Is it me? Is it something wrong with me that's creating this um, this thing that feels bad? Is you know, and can I do something about it? And the answer is no. It, the the responsibility lies with the abuser completely. Yeah. Yeah, abusers abuse because they want to abuse. They have that power and control. And I think I might have mentioned this before in my podcast, but abusers use this tactic, this gaslighting, saying, oh, if you hadn't done this or that, I wouldn't abuse you. So to hear that sentiment echoed from outside voices, it's it's abuse all over again. It's just, it's crushing. And it's one of the reasons I didn't get out for such a long time. I remember my husband, when I first told him, he definitely said, wow, I'm sure it's like, oh, everyone bitches about certain people, but then he met my abuser and his reaction was, holy shit, you are underselling this. He's worse than you ever said. I would imagine that validation from someone so close to you was extremely important. It was, but it did take me a long time even after he said that to to break away because you know this person who abused me was someone I I honestly loved and trusted I, I remember actually um, after one of the worst incidences we had like this horrible night where there was you know a lot of trauma involved I ended the night by hugging him and telling him I loved him because even after everything that he did to me I that was just my reflex and I <sighs> Yeah. If we didn't love our abusers, it would be a lot easier to walk away, and that's the whole problem. Oh my god, that's so frustrating, right? I mean, these people couldn't do this to us if they hadn't built this this barrier of love around us. We we don't stay with these guys because we you know, we think they're abusing us. We genuinely think they can change and this isn't happening to us. That's that's a really frustrating thing to happen. Isn't it to say, Caitlin? I do. Yeah, I just remember being so scared to tell, like, my fiancé boyfriend at the time, like, what I had been through. Because he's like, he's just going to think, um, like, everyone says that about their exes, or I'm just some crazy person. Oh, but yeah, yeah. it was amazing how fulfilling it felt when I told him, like, the situation. And he was just so responsive, and I just felt so validated. Just that simple listening and understanding. It was just, it meant the world, and it was... It was amazing how powerful that was. I don't know about you guys, but even now when I'm having a really bad day where things just stack up and I'm depressed and I'm anxious, I will sometimes still ask my husband, did it actually happen to me? Was it really that bad? And I hate that I still have to ask myself that, but there are times when I still doubt what I went through because he played it down. He'll play it down. I play it down for so long because that's how I survived. I played it down. I said, I am not a victim. I am not going through this. I mean, it's not just me, right? No, it's not just me. No, it is not just you. Thank you. We all go through that. Thank you, guys. Okay, so, like, I can talk forever about, you know, shit that I went through and people said to me and I have on my podcast, but... Do you guys have your own stories? I mean, working with women, we are survivors, we know survivors, we've been through the ringer. 
And I know I'm not the only one, but my experience isn't, it's my own. And I know that yours is different. So have you guys been through this too? Like what's your experience with people maybe trying to comfort you and maybe messing it up or just, you know, your thoughts around leaving? What would you like to say? I mean, again, it's a discussion. I would say one, one small thing is that I think people who abuse in a relationship can also be very charming in other ways and really likable people in the general, you know, in the general public. So, you know, having someone say, what a, what a charming or fun or funny person that is and not knowing maybe what is going on mm. behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. I have a distinct memory of one of my friends telling me, what? I thought he was so nice. And I told him that I was abused. Yeah. So, yeah, totally feel ya. How about you, Caitlin? I mean, if you're comfortable, um, when you were dealing with your own experience, I know you were scared to reach out. When you did, were there any like negative reactions you had to deal with or people who sort of fumbled the ball, so to speak? I was actually surprised um, because my ex had just kind of separated me from so many people that I cared about. It was it was surprising when I started to reach out to those people who I distanced myself again, you know, um, against. It was I was surprised how many of them actually were positive and responded um, very supportively. That's amazing. And it was. I didn't realize that I had such a big network of friends and family, but once I started to reach out to those people again and explained what had happened, it was it was amazing to kind of see that response. Um, so the the people who I thought I didn't have, I really had there there all along. Um, but because of what my ex had said, it didn't. I felt very alone and and very distanced before um, before I actually had the courage to kind of reach out. Um, sorry, I'm <laughs> Don't apologize. This is your story, your experience. Say what you need to say. I, I just remember being hesitant because things would come up. Like his, um, his mom was what I would classify as very normal, and she spoke kind of the world of him. So I'm like, well, surely if this you know, lady who has her, a good head on her shoulders and a good job. And she says like wonderful things about her son. Clearly, you know, what I'm thinking couldn't be true. Um, so I always had those, those kind of asides where I'd think, okay, maybe this isn't as bad as I think it is. Maybe it's in my head a little bit. Um, but again, once I had the courage to leave and I, kind of reconnected with these people who I had been kind of separated from, for lack of a better term. It was just amazing to hear their positive response and to, to hear their agreeance. So kind of my, my feedback is for anyone going through something similar is to, to don't be afraid to, to reach out to those people in your network because um, I think the response is going to be a lot more positive than you think. Of course, you're always going to have those asides but um, I think that the positive reaction is always going to be a lot greater. Thanks for sharing your story, Caitlin. That's really brave of you. Thank you. And to what you said about um, your abuser's family, like talking, you know, about him in a way that was really positive. I know that 
my abuser's family definitely did the same thing. And even now, I get people who say, oh, I hope you can one day reconnect, which is like, ugh. I mean, there are days when I see someone that looks like him on the street, and it's like this electric pulse just shoots through my body. And I honestly have no idea what I would do if I saw him again. And I don't want to know. And I hope he never talks to me again if I'm being honest so it's yeah it it makes seeing them really hard because I don't yeah I don't want to take it into that and, and one thing I've been really thinking about too so going back a bit is you know people who try to help but mess up I mean I don't want to give them a complete pass not to be heartless but even though they're trying to do their best it's still hurtful, and I'll be honest, I was really triggered by that whole one person out of six billion comment, because even though it's just one person, because of the dynamics, it was, it really messed with my life, and again, I have to wonder how much I missed out on because I was dealing with my trauma and my PTSD and all my, you know, stuff that was a direct result of my abuse, so... Maybe I'm being too heartless about that, but what are your thoughts on that, you guys? I mean, I, I don't think you're... I, I think that what you're doing, the education around it, is paramount. And I don't, I don't think there would be anything wrong with confronting um, someone who said something. And maybe they are, you know, clearly wanting to help you or support you, but not doing it in the way that really does help and support. And I think as far as a survivor, it is paramount to do and say things that will help not just with the intent to help and so that's where education comes in and I think it's perfectly fine for um, for a survivor to say hey that that doesn't help me but this is what would help me yeah it's awkward though it is yeah that is that is for sure awkward and you know already dealing with the trauma and then having put your story out there it's very awkward to then have to kind of manage it or ask yeah, for yeah, certain yeah. responses you kind of want those you know you want those responses that are gonna yeah. um, validate your experience and why should the burden be on us as survivors to say hey don't give me this triggering bullshit right, I, I mean right. it's also that argument of yes I know that there's a lot of illiteracy about domestic violence but why is it on me when I'm already like, triggered to say hey right. you don't don't say that to me and this this is the reason why I have to deal with them maybe being mad or maybe being sad and then oh gosh now I have to come for you when you're sad when you yeah. when you triggered me yeah exactly that's a good point and but I think as as more and more people are comfortable putting their stories out there and if there's more education and you know like doing the podcast and all of this I think that's only going to help people to understand it and sometimes I think you know if you haven't been through it it's sometimes a harder thing to understand oh definitely I find that people who haven't been through it I mean I still encounter this attitude of wait what do you mean they controlled you using emotional abuse and for so long I was you know I only talked about the sexual abuse component part of my abuse because I felt like people could relate to that more and if I talked about the emotional abuse aspect they would say oh that was it and I still have that reaction where oh that was it I'm like no not that was not it, but also, why is that your reaction? That's that's a form of abuse. And it, 
again, going back to validating a survivor's experience, emotional abuse is just as damaging as physical abuse. Or more. Or more. Or more. Yeah, or more. Do you have I mean, unfortunately, they don't teach this in school. A lot of it is learned through experience. And if someone, you know, God forbid, they have this experience, they're not going to necessarily know any better. And it's, you know, they teach health in school, sexual health, that sort of thing, but they don't go into kind of the perils of um, bad relationships as much as I think they should. Mm. Absolutely. Oh my gosh, that's a great point. Like, why don't they teach this in schools? I mean... Oh, wait, because we're an absence-only civilization where it's like, oh, just don't have sex. But there's nothing out there about what kind of sex is unhealthy. Because there are sex... Okay, I'm going to repeat that and cut that last part out. I mean, there is sex that is consensual and healthy and full of pleasure, and it's amazing. But there's sex that's also painful and traumatizing. And honestly... We're going to have sex. We're human. That's just part of our experience. We need to be able to have those conversations and be able to distinguish that because that is a part of our experience. Right. And that part of your, the sexual part of your relationship can mimic the other parts of your relationship. If it, there's a, a power dynamic or if there's emotional abuse, it carries over into all parts of the relationship. Oh, totally. Women who are sexually abused or raped in relationships, it comes with other forms of abuse. It's never in isolation for the most part. It, it, it's tied together. It's never separate. And it's so hard to see the, the escalation too. It, it starts as emotional abuse and often escalates into to other forms of physical abuse. And it's so hard to see um, that progression unless we're, we're taught to kind of seek that out. We're taught, right, taught to, to see those red flags or Maybe more importantly, I think maybe we do see the red flags and we, we ignore them. Ignore them. We ignore them. Because there are so many other great things. The you know, the person makes us feel fantastic at some point, you know, sometimes. Yeah. And you know, we look for that and we kinda shove the other stuff under the rug until it's like the frog in the frying pan. It's like a little bit here, a little bit there, and then all of a sudden you're being burned alive, you know, because it's it's happened so slowly and you don't know until you're too deep in it. Oh my god, I love that analogy. I, I mean, that totally describes what happened to me because I definitely remember when I broke from my abuser, you know, what, what happened recently was fresh, but over time I began to remember things from earlier that suddenly stood out as red flags. I, I mentioned um, earlier in the podcast episode when I, you know, when he touched me, but at the time it kind of went in and then out of my mind. And it only came back at a later time how, how fucked up that was, if I'm going to use layman's terms. How about you guys? I mean, looking back, what do you guys see as sort of things that were, I guess, subtle and then kind of escalated? I know for me, so my ex had a drinking problem, and he would say when he would kind of be weird at night, like he'd get up and kind of stumble around, he told me he was sleepwalking, and I believed him. I didn't have a reason not to, mm. and looking back, I'm like, I was so stupid for for believing that because it was clearly a lie and um, things that he would do in his sleep. He even told me he went to a sleep study. Like, well, what hospital is, is it at? I'll, like, pick you up. He's like, oh, no, my friend Matt's going to come pick me up. And I didn't 
think I, I feel stupid because I didn't think to question that. I just wanted to, to inevitably believe what he had said because I didn't have a reason not to at the time. Oh, totally. I've totally been there. Yeah. And you weren't stupid. I mean, your abuser was someone you were close to. Why would you have a reason to think he was lying? I'm kind of thinking now, what was the incident that made you sort of, I guess, realize I need, I need to get out? What was that wake-up call for you? I guess I can remember one incident in particular um, where I kind of realized that these um, sleepwalking episodes weren't actual sleepwalking episodes, that he was actually um, heavily intoxicated. I remember one night he started screaming at me and calling me at his co-worker's name, and he was just very... Um, uncontrollable and I called the police and I said hey my um, my husband is um, is sleepwalking he's screaming and yelling and uncontrollable and I'm not sure what to do and they said don't worry miss we'll send you like an officer over and they they talked with him and then they talked with me and said you know we don't really have a precedent for this but he is um, he's not sleepwalking we can tell you that he's incredibly intoxicated and that's when I knew that there was a major issue I'm so sorry you had to deal with that. <sighs> Thankfully, when you called the police, they actually were able to help you. I know of many survivors who don't feel comfortable calling the police. They fear they're not going to be believed or it will escalate the situation. It'll just make things worse after they leave, honestly. Yeah, I do have... Um, I was very thankful for the police officers at the time. It was probably the maybe the third or fourth call that I had made to them where they said, you know, if we don't do anything now, you're going to be dead one of these next times that we, we come in. And that was wow. the, that was the catalyst. And I got out. I'm really happy you got out. I'm so happy you're okay. Cause you're my best friend. And I'm really happy that you're still here to be friends with me. Oh. So one thing I really remember when I was being abused was that I felt this ingrained responsibility to care for my abuser. I was manipulated into thinking that he was the victim and things that happened to him were either my fault or society's fault. I, I actually remember a time when he made this homophobic comment and then turned to me and said, oh, do I hate gay people? And I should have said, yes, you do, but I was, I was scared because, you know, he is made claims of being suicidal and how he's been victimized by other people. So I said, oh, no, 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 no. I mean, obviously, yes, he's a homophobe, but I didn't want to hurt his feelings. And I did that so many times. You felt a responsibility to take care of your abuser. I did because I was in this world and locked into this world where that was the reality and I had to take care of him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, kind of back to my story about, you know, my ex who had claimed when he was, you know, up and walking around and drunk and stumbling that he was sleepwalking. I felt like I had to, to help him overcome that. And I felt such like a, like it was my responsibility. And I felt bad for, um, you know, for anything that resulted when he was doing the sleepwalking. He would get up in the middle of the night and like literally... Um, <laughs> and literally, like, urinate all over the floor and, you know, 
I felt, and he's like, yeah, like it's this sleepwalking, it's this thing that's been in my family, and my mom has it, and I just, I felt bad, and so I would like, I even cleaned it up, and it's just insane what that sort of manipulation can do to you. That sounds like coercive control, like he was seeking total domination of you by doing that. Jeez, I'm so sorry, Caitlin. Thanks for sharing your story. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. That's how people learn. It's amazing how we question ourselves. Maybe even years afterwards, we still, there's that little voice of, did this really happen? Or did, did I do something to, is something wrong with me that, that I, I let this happen? Did I encourage that, you know, all of these questions, there's, yeah, it's really hard to get rid of that, that self-doubt. Oh yeah. I don't know about you guys, but I am still dealing with it. It's easier after years of therapy and a support system, but sometimes I still go through it. I don't know how it is for you, but I'm still... Well, kind of going back to the beginning, something, something you said about... Um... I lost my train of thought, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's a conversation. You're allowed to lose your train of thought. I mean... I mean, we're people, you know, it's, it happens. Back, okay, Caitlin, do you want to fill the gap? I'm thinking. Oh. <laughs> In case you couldn't uh, hear what she said, Caitlin is currently thinking. <laughs> I can see the look of concentration <laughs> on her face. Right? Oh, yeah, I see steam, like, coming out of her head. I can hear the gears clicking, click, 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 click. I would say like immediately after I had, because a lot of things changed, I, I moved out of the house that we lived in. Um, yeah, I left my two dogs with him and um, so a lot changed and I think initially I questioned a lot, but as time progressed and I saw, so he had tried to, he hacked into my email, he hacked into my phone, um, I just, it those incidents afterwards started to confirm especially as I had moved on they started to confirm more and more the reason that I had left and then later on when I had even gotten into a relationship um, with my now fiance it was the not to compare the two but feeling the actual like care and love from someone and um, someone who is honest with me it would just it was something I had never felt before and it more validated how I wasn't in that healthy relationship um, with my ex. I love that. The same kind of happened to me with, with my husband actually I, because I had this idea from my abuser about what love should look like and when Matt didn't give that to me, I mean I'll be honest, there were times when I said when I, when I questioned it, like, if you love me, you would do these terrible things to me. Because that's what I thought love was. Okay, I might cut this part out later, but for now I'm just going to say it. But there were times when I even asked Matt to hit me when I felt like I deserved it. Because that's what I thought love was. What I thought was supposed to happen from a male figure. And what I thought I deserved. And it, it was crushing for him. It... God, I made him cry every time I asked that, which I'm really ashamed of now, but at the time, that's what, that's what I did. That's, that's how deep in it I was, honestly. 
that. And you shouldn't be ashamed for that because, like, our past shapes our current experiences. I, it took me a while to even trust my, my fiancé to, I, just to, that he was telling me the truth that when we first started dating, I would question, like, every single little thing about his life. Um, I didn't even believe him that he owned a house for the longest time. Just like <laughs> I actually Googled it and tried to research it. Like I questioned every little bit, but it's our past that shapes the current. And it takes a while for those learned behaviors to be kind of um, to to not fall back on um, what we have learned in the past. And, and we get through it eventually, but it's looking back on my Let's just say my fiance is very patient with me when we first started dating because I questioned every little thing. I had no trust. I think I think that is a fantastic point that you say your fiance was patient with you, but he loves you, and of course he's going to be patient with you, and in a way that someone who's abusive is not going to be. It's it it just speaks to the health of you know the health and the love in, in your relationship. And I was I remembered what I was going to say from earlier too, kind of on that <laughs> note is that it does become a part of us. It's not something like you're saying, um, someone might say to you, oh, you know, just leave it, you know, forget it, leave it behind. It's, you know, it's in the past. It really isn't. I mean, abuse, the very nature of it gets to your core. I mean, it can't be abuse unless it makes you question yourself. And questioning yourself is at at your very core. And it really, it's not something that you just get past. It's something that you learn to live with and learn from and hopefully become more um, aware, of. aware of and maybe you you learn to know yourself a little better, trust your instincts a little more, but it's always in you and a part of you and part of your experience. It's never going to go away. It's never going to change. Um, but yeah, being a part of who you are. Oh, hell yeah. I think that's why a lot of people who are abused once are likely to be abused again. And holy shit, I am so lucky I had my husband because how easy would it have been to end up with another abusive guy and think this is what I deserve this is what I know what I'm comfortable and familiar with and for that to have been my life I mean wow that was yeah I got lucky and I'm so happy you got lucky too you deserve so much happiness but in (laughs) there, there are good guys out there for sure but I, I do agree that it is a part of your experience. I mean, it, finding yourself after abuse is, is difficult because you're so hesitant to validate things that you like because you're told what you like doesn't matter or that it's stupid. And it took me years, personally. But I don't know. There is hope, though. It, it gets better. It did for me. And... Even though it's hard, it does get better. Yeah, I remember sort of the the moment that it clicked for me was when my abuser actually was on the phone with my boyfriend at the time, who was now my husband, and he told my husband, oh, this bitch deserves everything that I do to her, and was justifying the way he was treating me. And yeah, the reaction from... You know, my now husband was just like, holy shit, this is, yeah. Yeah, it's basically just that. So thank you, my friends, for letting me drag you to a bar and, and, and come on my podcast and talk to me about a really dark, depressing topic. So I love you guys. Thank you. I love you too.
Thank you for having us. Thank you for having us. All right, so this is me and two other beautiful women who were brave enough to share their stories and thoughts and opinions on a podcast with me. So I'll see you guys in season two. Until then, stay safe. One more thing. Just me this time. I went home last night, and I thought about our discussion. I thought about what inspired me to do it and why I felt like I needed to. And I realized, sharing with people, especially people that you trust, is an amazing way to validate problems, but also to get out of your head. Not that we're ranking our issues or our trauma. We should never do that. Because all trauma is trauma and all pain is pain. But having that perspective that us as survivors aren't alone in an experience can make it seem less hopeless. It can make the monster seem less scary, less indomitable. And it's validating. It breaks the sense of isolation. And yeah, it's cold comfort because it's still trauma. But a shared burden is a lighter load. So I hope that conversation was helpful to you. And if you want to join us, please write in. Our email is thedvdiscussion at gmail.com or if you want, connect on Facebook and Instagram at thedvdiscussion. We all have our stories and they deserve to be heard. If you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-7233. You can also visit their website, thehotline.org. If you identify as an abuser or a word you might be an abuser, please call the hotline as well. They'll be able to help you. Please remember, you're not alone.